I got to get the prophetic elixir. <laughs> Diet Dr. Pepper is the, the, the drink of the prophets. I just want you to know. <laughs> I, uh, I'm thankful today to be able to participate in this series called Testify. Testify, when I grew up, was the Wednesday night service. Once in a while, it might be the Sunday night service when the Spirit of God was moving in such a powerful way and somebody just said, Pastor, I just got to stand and say that I want to thank the Lord that he saved my soul and set me free and sanctified me and filled me with the Holy Ghost. He healed my body and he saved my spouse and he changed the lives of my children. And they're just giving a testimony of what all God has done. It's like the old story out of the Gospels that says, look what the Lord has done. The demoniac that had those legions of demons in him, Jesus said, go, go into the Decapolis, go into the ten cities and tell everybody the good things that God has done. And so the summer, in an interest of just building faith, in an interest of, of encouragement, the, 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 it comes from the Greek, uh, not the Greek, but I'm sorry, the French word kur, which means heart. And so when, when we're encouraging ourselves or when we're encouraging someone else, we're putting heart in. We're saying, God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. I, I love uh, my, my study of revival history fascinates me because the moves of God have affected culture. The word enthusiasm wasn't even in existence until the Second Great Awakening. The Second Great Awakening, they referred to the people that were moved by the power of the Spirit as being enthused. In, E-N, same thing as I-N, into. And thusia, enthusiasm or enthusia comes from the, the Greek word theos, which means God, to be God-infused. Enthusiasm was birthed out of the revival that touched America in the mid-1800s. And I just want to tell you, I believe that we're going to coin some new words that the Urban Dictionary is not going to be able to define because it's going to be the work and the move of the Holy Spirit. When revival, as we've been crying out for years, even decades, to touch and bring America back to her knees. How many of you know we need that? And I just want to testify this morning. I, I have a testimony of what God has done in my life. And this morning... This is a very tender testimony. It's probably the record, it is the record of God bringing me through probably the most difficult time that I've ever experienced in my life. And I've called this message, Rest in the Day of Trouble. It comes from the, the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. It says that God would give his people rest in the day of trouble. This morning, just to remind you, our series text is from the book of Philemon, the little bitty one-chapter book before you get into Hebrews. Philemon says this. He says that the sharing, or rather Paul is writing to Philemon, he says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. How many of you know God's doing some good things in you this morning? Come on, somebody. Do you believe that? I'm thankful that we have a God who doesn't start a project and leave it unfinished the way we do. I know that's not you. I'll just speak from my own experience. 
Sometimes I start things and I'm really excited about it and then I hit a snag and I try to plow through and then sometimes I, I don't follow through with a, with a craft or with uh, a rebuild or a renovation or something that, that, uh, that I'm really interested in or maybe a, a, a pursuit, a goal. But I'm thankful that our Heavenly Father begins a good work in us and the scripture says that he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun a, everybody say, a good thing. What did it say? Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. My life verse is Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. My text this morning is from Psalm 50 and verse 15. It says, call upon me. Everybody say that. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Rest in the day of trouble. That's not an easy thing to do because our minds, we can get up in our heads and we can start to analyze and we can become paranoid and we can overthink. We can overheat, so to speak, our brains because we are meditating and cogitating on the wrong things. Instead of meditating on the goodness of God, and what he has done and reminding myself by counting my blessings of the many good things that God has done. So many times I spend time worrying about things that never, ever happen. What is that old adage about the person that says, um, I, I, have, I, have so, I worry about so many problems in my life, 99% of them which never come to pass. Let me know what I'm talking about. Anybody in the room that's honest enough to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I worry sometimes. Anybody? Yeah. That's pretty much all of us. <laughs> Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. So he's saying something for me to do, something he will do, and something that will be my response. If you'll call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Whatever you're facing, I want to tell you that if you will lean into the Lord, God will bring you out on the other side with a testimony. He'll take the test that you feel like you're in right now that you don't think there's an answer for. And some of you that are under the sound of my voice in this room this morning, or maybe you're watching this online, you've got a struggle that nobody else knows about. And I want to tell you, I don't care what everybody else thinks about you. I don't care what somebody else has defined you. I want to, somebody said, I don't have a family to support me and carry me in this. I want to tell you right now, you've got a spiritual family, the family of God. There are people in this room more than likely that have been through what you're struggling with and will walk alongside you and encourage you and inject some faith into your heart and say, look, my brother, my sister, I will walk with you because if you will call upon the Lord, He will deliver you and in the end, you will glorify Him. Our one thing, I chose it as we began and Pastor Haley and Pastor Jeremy were so gracious to just say, hey, listen, I think that should just be the standing one thing for this whole series and so that's what we're doing. You probably know it by now. Say it with me. I have a story that no one else can tell and the people in my life need to hear it. Like you really mean it. Come on. Let's see, let's see who, can, who really has the most spirit in the room. Let's go with down the middle of this side. Come on, let me hear it. I have a... They did pretty good over here. I don't know if you guys can beat it. Come on, here we go. Let's go. Here we go. I have. Oh, wow. 
Wow, that's great. Everybody, one more time. Come on. I have a story that no one else can tell, and the people in my life need to hear it. Tell somebody. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I open this this morning with an Old Testament Bible story. Bruce Wilkinson wrote a little book. Gosh, it's probably getting to be close to 20 years ago now at this point, maybe 15, but somewhere between 15 and 20, called The Prayer of Jabez. And this story, and I know that there's some who jumped on it and you know, said, oh, he's this, this prosperity gospel, he's taking it too far or whatever. And, and I'll let you wrestle that down, whatever. I just want to take the text and I just want to show you what happened in this guy's life. Very obscure character in the Bible because he's nowhere mentioned anywhere else except this one chapter in the Old Testament book of Chronicles. Lineage of the kings of Judah. So he has some privilege, but yet he's gone through a struggle. He is a victim of circumstances over which he had no control. The story of Jabez reads in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And this has just been literally on the back burner in my spirit for the last few weeks. And I keep being drawn to it, and I go back to it, and I read it, and it's like uh, sometimes, you know, you, you squeeze the lime out in your water or the, the lemon in your tea, and you just don't feel like you quite got it, and you got to give it another squeeze and just get some more of that goodness out of it. And so I've just been squeezing this in preparation for this message this morning because I want to talk to you about resting in the day of trouble, resting in the Lord when everything that could go wrong is going wrong, when Murphy's Law is actively at work in your life. No offense to Jack and Tina Murphy. 1 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, there was a man named Jabez who was, everybody say, more honorable. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez. Everybody say Jabez. Because his birth had been so painful. She went through a set of circumstances and probably a complicated delivery that so physically taxed her and emotionally vexed her, God have mercy, that she would choose to hang that experience by name onto the child for the rest of his life. Can you imagine growing up and every time the kids get called into the house and they're going down the roster and calling the name, they're going, painful, <laughs> sorrow. One who creates pain and sorrow. Where are you? How many of you know, I don't know that I would come running to the dinner table no matter how many times they rang the bell. There's something about that that just hurts me. There was, there was some victimization here over which young Jabez had no control. His name means one who creates sorrow, one who causes pain or painful. He was the one, but I want you to recognize the story doesn't stop there. Everybody say, hang on. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Now, how many of you know usually 
when you have a testimony like that's about to show up like this, we're, we're about to see something here. He was the one. Everybody say, he was the one. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, and this is his prayer. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. King James says, enlarge my coasts. Message Bible says, give me large tracts of land. I love it. Make it plain, preacher. He's basically saying, I am not going to let something over which I had no control and people have called me my whole life limit me from the blessing that I know God has over my life. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Break off these limitations. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. I love that. God granted him his request. You know, there comes a time when you're in the middle of circumstances that you make a turn, you make a decision, that you, you just say, this thing is overwhelming, it's unbearable, I cannot even begin to try to tackle this in my own strength. And the thing that that describes in my own life was when we privately wrestled for three years with mental illness in my house with my wife, the love of my life. And it got worse. We were doing everything that we knew how to do. We were body, soul, and spirit. We were, she was being medicated by, her, by our primary care physician. She was seeing a therapist and talking through the, not just depression, but a, an, a mounting level of paranoia. We were praying, spirit. We were medicating, body. We were talking through in therapy, body, soul, and spirit, every aspect, trying to say, God, treat this, treat the whole person. We were standing in faith as a family. And then to experience the horror and the tragedy that we did on October 19, 2016, when I got up that morning and found her in the backyard... And a couple of minutes later, my baby girl who was in town rushed out the back fence and saw me bent over. I, I, have, I have no words. It took me three years before I could even talk about it to people without breaking down. For the first two years, I drove to Memphis to buy groceries because I didn't want to see people in the store and have to talk about it. And I was avoiding every bit that I could. And I, when I was around people, I just want to say that I'm so thankful for a church family that stood by me, our, 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 our lead team. If we were ever bonded, if we, we grew in trust and love for each other because that tragedy brought us together and it made us one and it bonded us. We don't ever totally agree necessarily on everything at all times, but we know that we're for each other and we know that God has put us together. 
And between these amazing two, Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Haley, and our dear friend Chip Bueller and my pastor from Nashville, Ray McCollum, they gave me a four-month sabbatical. They would have given me longer if I had asked for it, but I never missed a Sunday. I showed up and sat in the same chair over there at that rain-ridden building at the mall. <laughs> and I remember the very first Sunday that they sang, It Is Well With My Soul, and I hung my head and I said, I can't sing that honestly. It's not well with my soul. And I was begging for God to send peace like a river. I was begging for God to do a work in my spirit. Because I experienced, I don't ever want to diminish anybody's loss. But it, I, I want you to hear this. I think if, if, if you're battling cancer, and it's so outrageous to, to lose a loved one to that dreadful disease. But you know they can't help that. If, if, you, if you get the horrible phone call that someone you love has been killed in a car accident, you know that it's, it's an accident. And you do your best to wrap your head around that. But when the love of your life takes a gun and puts it to her head and ends it, and I know that she couldn't help it. I know that she was mentally ill. I understand all of that. But there was such a level of that gets stacked on it. It's not just the grief of losing someone in a kind of a natural way. She was always fearful of breast cancer. Her aunt had it twice. Her grandmother died of colon cancer. Her grandfather died of uh, melanoma. Shaved his sweet little 78-year-old face one day and nicked something. And the next thing, he was six months later, he was dead. So it was always a fear in her life. And had there, if, if you had told me that she was going to go the way she was, I would have told you you're a liar and done everything I can while I was doubling up my fist going, I know my wife better than that. She would never do that. And the fact that I was that confident and didn't see it coming added to my grief a layer of regret. I remember when Chris Wilson was just so sweet to me and he was meeting with me on a weekly basis and he set it up in the sense of me mentoring him and really he was, he was ministering to me. And we would meet at McDonald's and I remember one morning I got there early at Marion and there's a group of old men over there, kind of the table of knowledge that would agree, that sit at that same spot all the time. And just a bunch of old, great, wonderful old codgers And I'm standing in line to order my whatever. And I hear him trying to be quiet, but he whispers so loud, he says, that's the preacher whose wife killed herself. And I know how that hit me. And I just hung my head. And this is when, God, you're going to have to help me. Because not only the grief of losing her and the regret of not seeing it coming, but I had the level of shame because I'm the preacher in the community whose wife killed herself. That'll never change. And it, those were words that were spoken over me. I didn't have a choice in this. My babies were victims. Victims. 
Jabez means so much to me because in the middle of all the pain, he said, God, break me out of these limitations. <laughs> this fence that people are putting around me. God, enlarge my coast. Give me, and I don't think he's just begging for dirt. I think he's saying, God, open up this narrow place that I'm in and give me a large space. God, give me room to breathe because I feel claustrophobic in the middle of all of this pressure. Nobody knows the days and the hours when I cried myself to sleep and my pillow was soaked. We'd get up in the middle of the night and walk the house and look out the windows and everybody's asleep in the neighborhood and I'm walking the floor and I'm going, God, why? 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 Why did this happen to me? I don't know what's going on with the media, but y'all just hang. Just look up here. Look at me. Don't pay attention to that. And I had to come to the place where I did like J J Jabez did, and I said, God, I'm not going to. This may have happened to me, but I want you to hear this. He had a choice. He could stay a victim, or he could choose to be a victor. He could stay a victim or he could choose to be a victor. And I want to tell you what happens to you may affect you, but it will only define you if you allow it. It, it may be a sin in your past. It may be a choice that you made. It may be something that somebody did to you. You may be responsible. You may not be responsible. But you do not have to be the victim of anything. Come on, somebody. And I want to stand up here and testify that if it had not been for the Lord by my side, where would I be? I probably wouldn't even be alive myself. He says, please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. A prophetic ministry said to me once, two years after Dawn had passed, it said, the word of the Lord to you is compensate. God is going to compensate in your life and in your children's lives. And I truly believe that the favor of God and the blessing of the Lord that is so outrageous is because the word of the Lord that came, God said, I will compensate. I want to say to somebody in this room this morning who's experienced great loss, whose life hasn't turned out the way you thought it was going to, if you will just call upon him in the day of trouble, he will deliver you and you will glorify him. Come on, put your hands together and give him praise. But I believe that when that happens, it, it almost takes a kind of a desperate faith. It's where you just get to the point that no matter what anybody else thinks or what anybody else says, you just, you know, you've experienced the shame, you've experienced the grief, you've experienced the regret and all of that, and it just sets you to where you can honestly sing, hands high and heart abandoned, baby. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am and everything I'm not, everything I have and everything I've got, Lord, it's yours. All I am is yours. 
that desperate faith that cries out to God and says, God, if you don't show up, then your name is on the line. God, if you don't show up because you set me into this course, you didn't set me down into the armpit of Arkansas to build a work with a, with a vision of victory where people can walk in victory in their lives, victory over sin, victory over their past, victory over habits that take people into a hellish lifestyle on this side of hell. God, if you don't show up, then it's on you and it's not on me. I, I fully, wholly throw my trust into you. I lean into you. God is a refuge. Mm, I love Psalm 46. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in time of, everybody say, trouble. We have to learn how to rest in the day of trouble, and we do so when we call upon him. I have a story that no one else can tell, and the people in my life need to hear it. God carried me. God would open the word to me. God would speak to my heart. I would get on the piano sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning and just worship. And the song we sang was one that was one of my sweetheart's favorites. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. That's, that's the determination that I have to have with desperate faith. Point number two, and I'm finished. The purpose of my deliverance. When God carries us through things, it is never just for you to say, I made it through. Although that's great praise. When you can say, had it not been for the Lord, I would not have made it through. But by him, I made it through. That's what it means when he says, we have come over something. He that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne. He that overcometh will I give a new name. He that overcometh. Will I give a white robe? All of those seven times in the book of Revelation where he says to every one of the churches, he that overcomes and he gives a promise. You know what? We don't like that. We don't want to have to come over anything. And if, if you live long enough, you're going to experience some stuff in life where you experience loss and there's no explanation for it. The bottom drops out of the market and all of your investments just disappear. Everything that you planned for didn't happen the way you thought. And you lose someone that you love. And, and you're looking. I mean, it's like that. I, I, I listened to for weeks Coldplay play that song that says, fix you. And I'm going, God, you've got to fix me. Awaken my bones. Energize my heart. God, give me. And I literally stood in my backyard with my arms up and I said, God, I'm on the operating table. And while you've got me split wide open, please do a work. Dig the well of Christ in me so deep. And I want to tell you something. When people lose a loved one now, there's a level of compassion on the inside of me that I didn't have before. There's an ability to reach in and just love and not have to give platitudes. And, and answers. And let me just, please, 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 let me just say this. The worst thing you can do when someone has lost someone is to go and try to give a religious answer. Because it's hollow. Everybody say, it's hollow. Well, they're not suffering now. They're with Jesus. Well, I know. I need them here. How many of you hear me? I remember people trying to comfort me with that stuff and sometimes I just wanted to go just shut up just be here with me 
Now, if that offends you, I'm just being real. I, I don't want to offend unnecessarily. But how many know the worst thing you can do is sit there and go give a churchy response when somebody's hurting? Just go be with them and be quiet. Just be with them and say, I'm praying for you. That's all you need to do. You don't need to come up with something that sounds really good and, oh, they're an angel in heaven and God gave them their wings. First of all, that's not even biblical. You are a human created in the image of Christ. Angels are a whole other created order. You don't, when you die, get wings and become an angel. That wasn't even my message. I'm sorry. I chased a rabbit. But just the stupid stuff that people say to you trying to comfort you. And I have learned they don't need me to try to... I called my children and I said... Look, I'm a grieving father. I'm a grieving husband. I can't be your pastor. Call Chip or call Pastor Ray. I'm asking the same questions you are, Abby. I'm asking the same questions you are, Drew. I love you and I'm praying for you, but I don't have the answers right now. One of them said, why aren't you mad at God? And I said, because he's all I've got, honey. I don't have anything else. The purpose of my deliverance, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 through 7, and I'm finished. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. He comforts us in all of our what? Is it up there yet? We don't have anything on the screens. Okay. He comforts us. Sorry, I didn't realize that. He comforts us in all of our... Troubles. Everybody say troubles. He says, so that. Everybody say, so that. So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down, he says... Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffered. Last verse. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. I'm thankful that God can carry us through things that we don't have an explanation for. You know what? I'm in a better place now. I, I'm emotionally stable. For the most part, I can talk about it and not break down. We, we are laughing and having memories. Drew was in, and Holly and Henry and little baby Grady is still in the oven cooking. Got another grandson coming in October. And Holly was so upset when she found out that the baby's due date was Dawn's death date. And I said, oh, Holly, I think that. I, I cried. I said, I think that's a gift from God. I think, I think that a day that would be sad to us, we've got a reason to rejoice. We can hang some balloons and throw confetti and sing happy birthday. Because... In, in one circumstance where there was loss, God has compensated. He's brought in new. He's, now I know that it's not going to be like it was. I, I long to see her. I long to see her on the other side. And truly now I can say I'm so thankful that she's in her right mind. 
and she's rejoicing in the presence of God. So yes, I can comfort myself with that at this point. Some things just take time. But in that time, because I leaned into the Lord and I said, Lord, I call on you and I ask you to deliver me and I'll ask you to be glorified in my life. I've got a story that no one else can tell and the people in my life need to hear it. And I want you to know that what you've been through, don't be selfish with the comfort. You've got a storehouse of comfort. Everybody in this room, you've got a story and you've been through something that God has carried you and answered your prayer. And I guarantee you there's somebody in your network of friends that need to hear what God has done in your life. People argue politics all day long. People argue theology all day long. But they will stop and their mouths will hang open when you say, look what the Lord has done in my life. They can't argue with it. That's the most powerful tool you have. And some of you are not using it. God, open our mouths and give us boldness to speak. Fill us with the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, because you've carried us, you've restored us, you've put us back together. Thank you, oh God, that there are people under the sound of my voice right now who've never crossed the line of faith. And Lord, they're sitting there going, is this real? Is this possible? God, would you take the brokenness of my life? Would you take my mess and turn it into a message? And I tell you, yes. Yes to the promise of God. Yes, if you will believe. Yes, if you will have desperate faith and call out to Him. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. I want to give you an opportunity for a fresh start right now. A new beginning. This is not January 1st, but it can be a spiritual New Year's Day in your life. The first time you cross that line of faith and say, Jesus, I trust you. I'm desperate for you. I cry out to you. You, you don't earn it. You can't deserve it. You're not good enough. I'm not. But Jesus knew that. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. All we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The scripture says the wages of that sin, my sin, your sin, it's death. If I get what I deserve, I get, I get spiritual death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. Very simply, releasing your faith in Him and saying, Jesus, save me. I trust you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If that's you and you'd like to say, Pastor, pray for me. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I already see a hand. Thank you. You've already put that up. Anybody else in this room? Yes. All right. I just saw the one. Maybe there are others. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the hand that went up today. Thank you for that person who's saying, turn my life around. Take my brokenness, Lord, and make it new. Everybody in this room, believers, come on, let's rejoice at what God is doing today and let's pray this boldly together. Everybody say, Father, thank you for this word. Thank you that you take my life, the brokenness, the rejection, the insecurity, the sin, and you make something beautiful out of it in your time. Jesus, save me. I trust you. Forgive my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Be Lord of my life. In your name I pray. And all of God's people said, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Now, I'm grateful for the one that raised their hand. 
But as we stand one more time, I want us to sing this song. This is my, are we an F? This, we an F? This is my desire. Everybody stand with To honor you, Lord, with all my heart. Lord, with all my heart. I worship you. I worship you. All I have within me, sing it now. Give you praise, I give, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Come on, prayer team, come to the front. I believe there's some folks who need to be ministered to. Lord, I give you my heart now, everybody. Today, if you're carrying a weight, if you're carrying a burden, if there's something that you know is in front of you that's bigger than you are, we've got anointed prayer people up here at the front, intercessors that will stand in faith with you. Come on, don't be shy. We all I have to I have to step out and ask folk to pray for me. And this morning I'm giving you this opportunity. There's a river that's flowing right up here. The streams whereof make glad the hearts of the people of God. This morning, step out of your place in a, an act of desperate faith and come and say, God, I want you to move in my life. Call on me and deliver me and gl be glorified in my life. Come on, we're going to sing a little more time. This is my desire.